0: Yes! Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. I know that well. Bella's Bella's here. Hello to well, Bella, wrong side. Bella's on my. Uh, if you're looking at me, it's what. Well, my left hand. What doesn't matter. I'm a little <laughs> bit amped up. You know, I know that what for maybe weeks now I've been like, oh, the week's been fine, right? We'll come in. We'll talk about the show. It's been fine. Uh, just looking at the, the 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 top the top of the news, I guess the the primary aspects of the things. The Seahawks have made the playoffs. I get it that I was wrong in the beginning of the season. We've made it through the course of the season. I was wrong about Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker. That's fine. We're supposed to be wrong. I'm happy that I'm wrong about those things. Um, I don't want to jinx it yet, but Bell's prediction of a 10-win season still technically is alive mm, with yeah. that I, I would consider it because you put the ten wins in the total, right? But the point is the Seahawks have made the playoffs and they hold the fifth overall pick in the NFL draft. That's the highest selection a team has held uh, while being a playoff team in the last twenty years. So that's a big deal. The Kraken are streaking right now. The O-Rain have brought back Nicky Stanton, a key piece. Uh, not necessarily positive storm news. The Sounders have begun training camp. The Sea Dragons got their schedule. Things are good in this city. And there was this stat that went out yesterday that it was the first time uh, ever that the Seahawks and Mariners have made the playoffs and they're both the the same respective seasons. I want to dash that because there's more to it than just that. Five of the eight, yes, eight, the uh, Seahawks, Mariners, Storm, Sounders, Kraken, Rain, Sea Dragons, and Sea Wolves. I can count. Um, Five of those eight have made it the Kraken still have a chance and are likely to do so considering their odds, and the Sounders, while not making the MLS playoffs for the first time in their existence in the league, did win CCL. So things are good in this city right now, and who better to cover it but us here at Circling Settle Sports, especially on Converge Media. So I'm a little bit amped up. I'm excited. I'm good to go, despite my lack of sleep. So, Bell, why don't we just jump into (laughs) it? I mean, I'm all excited and amped up about it, but the road to this postseason berth for the Seahawks Wasn't exactly smooth sailing. There were some bumps. There were some rides. It's like going over some of the potholes outside. Why don't we just get into it with this game against the Rams and somebody that, you know, when we began the season, I didn't think we'd be looking at with Baker Mayfield. that, That Rams team led by Baker Mayfield and without Aaron Donald, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just like you mentioned, led by Maker Mayfield, who came into Lumen Field and has to fight because he needs a job next season. So, of course, he was going to come out, put up a fight against our Seahawks. The game was kind of a lull. Um, We did pull out the win 19-16 to in overtime, but for a while there, it felt like we should have gotten a lot further of a, or more of a lead than they had and it just it felt too close for comfort for a long time um of course we had a couple of key points and some of our key points here match if not all of them but that field goal that could have won it in regulation that just boinked off um and then of course sent it into overtime so In overtime, you and I both kind of brought up the same points again as the key points, and that was K-9, being K-9. And um, that Quandre Diggs interception, that really just kind of gave the ball back to the Seahawks and then helped cement the win. And, of course, then K-9 with his performance. So, um, yeah, I mean, of course you're hyped. Is there anything else that, like, you feel might have gone better or that we need to do better for this next game against San Francisco?
0: Well, my voice might sound a little bit different. It might sound – I maybe there's more baritone to it. I don't know. If I sound better, you can leave a comment. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, but yeah. C- Seattle looks sloppy throughout this one. There were, in the second half, four of Seattle's uh, – well, if you four because, you know, three in the second half and then one from the overtime period. Four of those uh, pa- timeouts, pardon me, were taken due to clock management issues. Geno Smith and Seahawks could not get the ball off. As someone that was at the game – something that drives me crazy. And again, I've been told that I need to be more objective. Um, Why, why as a home team fan as in this case, a Seahawks fan, why are you chanting and cheering when the Seahawks have the ball on offense? That's like the whole point. It goes against the whole point of cheering. When you're on defense of the whole point of the 12th man, to get loud and to cause false starts. There were false starts by the Seahawks in the first half. That shouldn't be happening in your own building. And because there were Seahawks chants and this and this and that while the Seahawks had the ball on offense, If you're going to a Seahawks game and it's your first time or whatever, which it seemed like it was for a lot of people on Sunday's crowd, don't cheer when they're on offense. Please hold it till while they're on defense. Because then when they're on defense in a third down in the fourth quarter and in overtime, I see way too many people sitting down or not saying anything. It's like that's the whole point of why you're there. That's where home field advantage comes from. Nonetheless, sloppy play. I mean, a lot of uh, what the first play from scrimmage uh, because the Seahawks uh, lost the coin toss and they got the ball to start the game was interception. Uh, by Jalen Ramsey and Gino Smith said that yeah. he liked, they, they got the look that they wanted J- Ramsey just jumped the ball. There are times where you have to acknowledge that great players will make great plays. Give that one to Ramsey there. Uh, Gino kind of had a tougher game. I mean, he did break some Seahawks records in this one, Broke Russell Wilson's uh, passing yards and season record um, among other things, earned a $1 million uh, incentive due to the fact that the Seahawks made the playoffs this season. And I think in total, he's earned $3 million in incentives. So, Show me the money, you know, Jerry Maguire. Um, but I mean, the penalties in the first half, w- there was another delay of game, uh, timeout taken because of delay of game in the first half as well. The two interceptions, that first one I mentioned, intercepted by Jalen Ramsey. The second, so Ramsey had two actually. The second one, Gino just overthrew DK. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just tough, tough game, you know. Uh, and we can talk about that with Gino in a little bit uh but they got gashed by the run again cam akers had a great game and he's had a good end of the season to be fair um that yeah, that crowd yeah couldn't stop the run that's where i see it you know the four total timeouts that you had to burn geno smith those two picks uh, that crowd which you won't have to worry about necessarily in san francisco even though san francisco like legitimately there was a time a few years ago in this rivalry where the 49ers put out a when to cheer post on social media which is kind of ludicrous but considering what happened on sunday i can't laugh as much um and stopping the run if we want to get to it a little bit we'll do this on our game preview on circling saddle sports's youtube account uh this upcoming week uh you got to stop the run against san francisco you got to make them one-dimensional to an extent and try to make and take advantage of brock purdy's mistakes um but they're a really good running team and you're near mm-hmm. the bottom of the league and rushing defense so there's some things they need to tighten up obviously be happy with the win they stayed resilient like they have throughout the season uh geno smith and the offense was able to cool down as the course of the second half went on uh, and then overtime, as you pointed out in your points and kenneth walker ran the ball well they saw him in wildcat which i loved to see i love the wildcat um but it, you you have to clean things up before saturday if you want to uh You'll send your season to the divisional round. If you want to lose and get swept 3-0 against the 49ers, then sure, play like you did on on Sunday. Even against the Jets, there were mistakes that were made two weeks ago. But my my big point is you were sloppy, but you were able to overcome it. You cannot play that way against the 49ers.
1: Yeah, I think Lumen and uh, the 12s obviously have a good reputation of being a loud arena so or a stadium, so to hear that it kind of worked not in our favor is interesting, but I guess the excitement of the game kind of takes you over sometimes. Um, we'll move on to our offensive and defensive players of the game here. So we went with the same offensive player of the game, Kenneth Walker III, for me it's It's pretty self-explanatory. He had 29 carries, 114 yards, one reception for 10 yards, um, and just came up big when they needed him. So you want to be able to go to your best player when uh, there's a time crunch and you need to win a game. And K-9 was able to get them within field goal range to secure that win. So, um, yeah, that was my reasoning.
0: And you hit on all the key points. Uh, He was actually my key player of the game. We, We started doing that. Uh, on our posting on social media. So this is the perfect time for you to go check out out on social media. I'll put the links. uh, Well, the ads down there below, but obviously the last time that these two teams played in this really wild game down in SoFi stadium, we were what down to Tony Jones, Jr. Uh, and at, at running back at least with a ton of injuries, DJ Dallas was still banged up, but yeah, it, it was great. So that was key to see him get to back to running the football. Um, you're able to have more of a balanced offense. You know, you obviously wouldn't like the two interceptions that took place, uh, but you, the 29 carries to be able to give him that many carries uh, throughout the course of the game. And uh, someone that I kind of want to spotlight, I think I talked about him last week as well, but DJ Dallas, you know, it's is like, <laughs> It wasn't a huge performance if you look at the stats, but he's the key plays and he's a key contributor. Obviously it'll suck if, uh, you know, next year considering you're supposed to have Rashad Penny healthy and Ken Walker, the third healthy though. There's kind of your top two punch. Where does DJ Dallas fit in there, right? You know, you've got Travis Homer who's been in third down, uh, third down packages as well as pass blocking packages. Where does DJ Dallas fit? You're going to carry four running backs you know um but he's been able to contribute positively he had a nice i believe it was a nice punt return in this game helped run the wildcat uh they ran the wildcat twice one was a big rush by ken walker um And then they were going to run another one in the red zone. But, Geno Smith, I think, was a little bit excited for the play and got a false start called on him. So who knows? Maybe, you know, there's only two players for the Seahawks who've recorded a pass this season. It's Geno and then it's DJ Dallas. Dallas has an interception on the season on his one-a-pass attempt. But maybe he would have uh, redeemed himself on that one. So I think he's been a key contributor to that, and I want to give him some shine there. as like an honorable mention to me, like one of those – ESPN's crew used to have like, oh, Gruden's grinders, even though John Gruden's kind of been disgraced. Uh, He's a grinder for me. He's been someone that's been really kind of underrated and been, he's a football guy. He comes in and contributes when he needs to, right? Sound like one of those talking heads, call him a football guy, I'll have the pen and blah, blah, blah. But he's really just been a positive contributor for this team. Um, And he's. I'd say he's helped Ken Walker, honestly, you know, and again, we talked about it at the very height really excited uh, for this team in this playoff berth. I was wrong with where I was with Gino and Ken Walker at the beginning of the season, but I'm glad that I was right. You know, in this team, you look at the draft class that they have, the capital that they have in the draft, you know, with two picks in the first round one at fifth. And I believe one, it only get higher depending on how the playoffs go, but two picks in the first round, and I don't believe you've got much tied up necessarily um in the cab space realm until maybe you give Geno Smith some sort of extension. Things look yeah. good for the Seahawks as a whole going forward. so i'm I'm glad to see that. but nonetheless, um, let's get to defense.
1: I went with someone who just feels like he's a part of a different uh, Seahawks era kind of, but he Bruce Irvin, who had two tackles, one assisted tackle, and one and a half sacks. and I just thought that one and a half sacks um it surprised me, but it also, it was more of like a, a good surprise. Um, I wanted people to step up on the defense and he definitely did that because that's not a statistic that we've seen from him for the whole season. So,
0: yeah. And I I think that's a key point that you mentioned there. Uh, They talked I'm surprised it's only one and a half. I feel like they, they robbed Bruce a little bit there because on the broadcast, I watched the highlights after the game. They said he doubled his sack total because he had four in total. Hmm. So I guess it would only be 3.5. But it, it's nice. I think you've had him the last uh, two, the last three weeks. Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong. I'd, I want to say last week as well, but I might be wrong on that. Um, it's important, you know. We for a few years back uh, till now, you've talked about pass rush on this team. We've had Daryl Taylor as a defensive player of the game here, and he's been able to sex things up. Uh, he leads the team with sacks at nine and a half. Uh, it's it was interesting too with Bruce because he's he's been with the Seahawks now on three different stints. And he's told people that he's going to retire a few times before in his career. And he's here now in 2023 and his season (laughs) continues. Uh, So I feel good about the contributions that Bruce has made. Um, And this might be more of like a wholesome thing for me because, you know, he coming out of college at Western Virginia, I believe it was Western Virginia. I believe he was a Mountaineer. um, It was kind of like, this guy's got a ton of red flags. Seattle's reaching with this pick. And I remember, you know, one of the key moments in that rookie season for him was sacking Aaron Rodgers in the fail Mary game. And he's just been a, someone that's been a veteran for this team throughout the stints that he's been with Seattle. And he's been a pass rusher. He has had his moments, you know, he gets his offsides uh, flags here and there. Um, but you like to see that he's contributing on this team, uh, helping guys out boy. A got a big play, your favorite player. I joke. Right. Uh, and you got to know that he is a mentor to some of these guys on the front seven. So In that aspect, you know, I want to give Bruce his flowers there. But his season's not over yet. So you hope to maybe get some Bruce sacks uh, throughout the course of the playoffs here. Um, I can see where you went with that. Just because of the magnitude of the play he made that you did mention, I went with Quandre Diggs here just absolutely ludicrous not the rapper interception in (laughs) overtime i saw as soon as i saw the ball in the air and as soon as i saw van jefferson open i thought i was like i i'm at another seahawks game where they lost this is a doomed game this is terrible uh quandre four tackles three solo one pass deflection one interception including well that interception would save the game in overtime effectively um I get that a lot of the NFL community is like, "Why did Quandre Diggs get selected to the Pro Bowl?" I get that he doesn't have the necessarily the best season statistically, but this saved the Seahawks season. You know, mm-hmm. um, the Rams ran a great play where they had a route underneath Jefferson that was going out uh, to the sideline, which was a comebacker, and so Tariq Woolen jumped on that comeback route, exposing Van Jefferson that area of the field. He could have, you know, did a somersault, baked a cake, great British baking show, whatever. All in the time that he was open. But Quandre digs, great closing speed as a free safety that you need as a free safety to be able to get that ball. And even the interception itself, like he, the the catch was all the way back here out of his eye line. So it was, you know, when social media or the Seahawks Twitter itself talks about him being a ball hawk, that's a ball hawk time to play. And I don't know if you saw it on social media or during the game itself, but he got that interception. And who's on the sideline right in front of him? He gets an interception and he points the ball at Bobby Wagner, which is hilarious. Um, The momentum, I think, kind of carried him out of bounds. Some people thought he could have returned it for 20 yards. But I think when you're running like 20 yards to the left and you catch that ball, I think you're, you're, unless you were able to, you know, turn on a dime pretty well, kind of tough, but that's a big play. And obviously Diggs has been a key contributor to this team ever since Seattle traded for him from the Detroit lions um, but huge, huge play. Uh, the Seahawks defense played well the last two weeks to really get things back on track. I know they had some struggle. They still struggle against the run, which is something that had to fix, um, but they they did their job in this game, I'll argue. I, I, I'd i say they did their job, you know, having been put in their own red zone uh, just after the first play of the game, holding the Rams to several field goal attempts, so I, I would argue they did their job, and Quinter Diggs was a big part of that, obviously.
1: Yeah, and of course, not knowing how the Packers and Lions game was going to go yet, that's all they really could do at that time is do their job and secure their win. And they did that, and I think they were rewarded for that. So we'll move on to some inactives here. Um, On the inactive list against the Rams were Phil Haynes, Penny Hart, Isaiah Mack, Vi Jones, Joshua Oni. I'm going to ask for your help on that one.
0: (laughs) I can't tell. Josh, he's a nice guy, I'm sure. We're going to go with that.
1: Okay, Artie Burns. <laughs> Artie Burns and Ryan Neal. Um, injury sustained versus the Rams? None.
0: Not, not that we've seen, which is good to see.
1: That's true. Um, not that we've yeah. seen. We don't know what might surface. But for now, none. <laughs> there were some roster moves that took place within the last week. On the third, the team placed Jordan Brooks on IR. They added Tyler Mobrey to active roster. They signed uh, Chris Steele to the practice squad. And then they signed uh, Connor Weddington to the practice squad as well. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Seattle's top draft pick was fun- finalized. So with Denver's Week 18 win, surprisingly, oh, Week 18 win, um, the Seahawks <laughs> have the number five overall selection in the 2023 NFL draft. And that wraps up our Seahawks for just now while we move on to some league news. And I don't think this is going to be new information to anybody, but of course, we're going to mention it. Um, Damar Hamlin did suffer a cardiac arrest on Monday night's footballs game. So he collapsed on the field during the Bills-Bengals game on Monday night. Um, The game was postponed as Hamlin was taken to the hospital at 7:18 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the NFL released a statement that he was at a local hospital in critical condition. We then received another update at 8:01 p.m. that his vitals are were back to normal and he was undergoing further testing at the hospital. The Bills said that Demar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest and his heartbeat was restored on the field with CPR. On the fourth, uh, Demar showed improvement. The Bills said that Demar Hamlin had remained. In critical condition, but had signs of improved improvement noted the day before and overnight. Hamlin asked the staff, through writing, if the Bills had won their Monday night football game. And his doctor told him that, yes, you won the game of life. On the 5th, the Bills-Bengals game was officially canceled. They would not reschedule the game. The NFL announced that the game will not be resumed and that the AFC title game could be played on a neutral site. As a byproduct of the cancellation of the Bills Bengals game, Bengals became AFC North champs. A coin flip could decide home field if the Bengals and Ravens meet in the wild card. On the sixth, Hamlin did get to talk to his family. The safety had his breathing tube removed and had been able to speak with his family and the care team. On week 18, we did see all the love and support for Hamlin. Um, the NFL show, displayed it in every single game with love for DeMar 3 pregame shirts, moments of support across the league, and the Bills wearing the number three jersey patches. Hamlin was able to FaceTime his friends, and he did live tweet as well as the Bills dominated the Patriots. The Bills scored on a kickoff kickoff return three years and three months since the last time they scored a kickoff. They scored another kick return touchdown in the third quarter when down by three points. That was a lot. (laughs) Anything that you would like to say in regard to the Damar Hamlin situation?
0: Well, obviously, um, it was a really scary moment. Um, And just kind of the uglier side of the NFL, you know, with the NFL, the the protocol would have been for the the game to start five minutes after that. And just the fact that that's in protocol. You know, I don't know how you, as a player, can do that. You know, there are a ton of quotes from different players about. Uh, well, Bengals coach Zach Taylor said that uh, the Bills coach Sean I McDerm- believe Sean McDermott Sean McDermott uh, said that I can't coach a football game right now. I have to be at the hospital uh, with Demar. Uh, all of that, you know, you want to take all of that, and obviously, that's been the dominant newscape of the sports world, let alone just the NFL world, right? Um, thankfully this morning, which is really awesome to see, uh, the bills released a statement saying, well, from UC medical center that we are thrilled and proud to share that Demar Hamlin has been released from the hospital and returned to Buffalo. He's doing well, and this is the next stage of his recovery. So good things are happening. Um, but it it was just really awesome to see so many tributes around the NFL, whether it's teammates, uh, former uh, friends, you know, high school teammates, all of that paying so much tribute. Um, his charity, uh, i don't remember the official name you'll have to pardon me uh but charity raises money for toys for kids the original goal was two thousand five hundred dollars and the last update that i saw it had passed eight million dollars um which is incredible really Uh, and i can imagine that'll only grow so just to see all of that take place is you know obviously unfortunate that uh hamlin was even in that position in the first place um just to see the support for him has been great and to see that he is now out of the hospital is, is really awesome as well. So hopefully, uh, just continuing that positive recovery for him, um, and some more awesome moments, uh, for sure to be had, uh, for Hamlin and the bills. Cause honestly, I know that this is the Seattle show, but outside of the Seahawks, I would love to see the bills win the whole thing, I really would, just even before this, I, I have a friend who's a good bills fan. And even just the bills fan base has been awesome. And, them dealing with those four Super Bowls in a row not winning all that stuff but so I digress uh but yeah really really awesome to to see the news this morning about that
1: yeah that's a great update and he's gonna have a long road to recovery but um all the support that he's had in I'm sure it's gonna carry in through through that recovery period so we'll move on to some more league news here. Uh, Black Monday has officially began. On the 8th, the Texans fired Lovey Smith. The Houston Houston fires their head coach after just one season and a, 30, a 3-13-1 record. On the 9th, which was this morning, the Cardinals officially announced that they would part ways with Cliff Kingsbury after four, a 4-13 season, and their GM is also not returning. Steve Kime is not returning to the team due to um, health issues. He will be focusing on his health. Back to Kingsbury here, he went 28-31-1 over his four-year tenure with the Cardinals. Um, the Browns are also eyeing Brian Flores. Uh, Cleveland has requested permission to interview the former Dolphins head coach and Steelers assistant for the defensive coordinator job. Now we come back to our Seahawks here regular season they ended at nine and eight of course none of that matters anymore because it is playoff time now um they will face the 49ers on January 14th that is a Saturday um at 1 30 p.m in as Chuck likes to say Santa Clara
0: it's in Santa Clara it ain't in San Francisco there ain't no goddamn golden Bridge over Golden Gate Bridge over there you know
1: and that wraps us up for our Seahawks
0: I mean, I'm not, you know, you look at the, you look at the maps of all these things. It's, 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 it's not wrong. I don't, I, I don't know. I think it's fun to poke at it, but you know, so you see the Mariners hat. So you know that we do have some sorts of Mariners news to go over. There's some stuff that's off the field from the team itself, as well as an actual signing. So I know that, you know, there's been clamoring It's probably not what some people wanted, but there is some news. So uh, before we get into it, that signing, uh, we have some off the field stuff with a Mariners legend. Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, has been named this year's Royal Brome Sports Legend by the Seattle Sports Commission for his excellence on the field and his commitment to the city of Seattle. So you can see in the photo, Then look at the two Seattle legends there. Uh, you got Griffey and uh, Ichiro, uh, but Griffey uh, has been honored, uh, for his excellence on the field and commitment to the city of Seattle. As I said, uh, I said by the Seattle Sports Commission, I believe that's at the giant dinner that they do every year uh, for Seattle sports. Um, that's cool to see. I'm just kind of surprised, honestly, that he hasn't won this thing before, you know, just considering, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they run things. Uh, but there was that. And then the other piece of sort of cool off the field news is that Julio Rodriguez, we all know Julio, right? Um, I've been joked about that. I have mentioned that he's young. He's 22. Now he used to be 21. I used to mention that we were the same age all the time. He's older than me. So that's cool. <laughs> I guess. Um, He's in uh, his hometown of Loma de Cabrera in the Dominican Republic. Uh, you know, there was a big parade for him, and there was these big festivities to welcome him back for winning Rookie of the Year, the amazing season he's had. He's been there uh, with his girlfriend, Jordan Haitema, of our Ola Reign. Something cool he did over the past week, besides the other cool things that he does, he donated an entire ambulance uh, that was also filled with toys um, to his hometown. So they have got that ambulance, and he did... Not just the ambulance, but it was full of toys as well. So Julio uh, giving back to his hometown, uh, which is really cool to see. I don't know why my guy is wearing the neon pink Mariners hat they had on like that <laughs> 90s night. You know, if if you like that fashion more than I do, I respect it. I just, I don't know. I You know, we'll see. Um, I like but the really 44 awesome.
1: on the side of that ambulance there.
0: Oh, yeah. You got the 44 <laughs> and you see uh, his names on it as well. So Oh, God, that sounds bad. But what if you were picked up in the Julio Rodriguez ambulance? I mean, that'd be a little bit cool, right? I I don't know. Um, so we'll get to the actual moves that the Mariners have made. There was a, a, a sort of minor trade. Uh, the team traded right-handed pitcher Jose, uh, Jose Fernandez for relief pitcher Justin Topa from the Milwaukee Brewers. So Seattle sends a prospect to the Brewers uh, for a relief pitcher in return. That's he, He's got some good to him and he's been not able to stay on the field so it's another sort of relief pitcher for pete woodworth and the mariners pitching staff to sort of turn into uh, a project like they have with paul seawald like they have with cody uh, casey sadler i don't know cody sadler is uh topa is a 31 year old he made seven appearances last season with milwaukee going zero for zero with his win loss record and a 491 era with four walks and four strikeouts. You can see, obviously, a limited sort of sample size there. He made 17 appearances with their AAA affiliate in Nashville, going 2-0 with a 4-3-4 ERA. Um, he's got a good, I believe it's a good sinker, but a sort of mediocre slider. This is, again, another guy that's sort of supposed to be a project uh, in the bullpen for Pete Woodworth and that staff to work with. I'm sure they see great things that they like from Topa that they'll work with, um, just like with a Trevor Gott that they acquired earlier in the season. But they make another trade. Uh, with the Brewers after the Colton Wong deal, uh, Hernandez. If you want to learn about the guy that the Mariners just lost, is a twenty-one-year-old, twenty-two-year-old. Pardon me. Uh, went nine for five with a three-three-nine ERA with fifty-four walks and one hundred and forty-three Ks uh, for Class A and the Modesto Nuts in two thousand and twenty-two. He was named the two thousand twenty-two California League Pitcher of the Year and a California League Postseason All-Star. So I'm sure that he's got a lot of positives to him, but the Mariners elected to trade him away uh, for a guy that they want to see impact the team sort of now. So there's that news as well as the fact that I know that a few weeks ago, you can see it down there uh, on the header there, or I don't know if that's a header. I'm bad with the verbiage on these things um, Banner? that the, <laughs> that yeah, thank you. Um, but the mayor's had made an offer to agent Pollock and he was also, uh, I believe considering a deal from, I believe it was the Dodgers is official uh the mariners officially signed pollock a few days ago to a one-year seven million dollar deal uh he hits really well against left-handed pitchers he's also got really good numbers all time against the houston Astros. uh his stats in 2022 aren't exactly spectacular for the 10-year 35-year-old veteran uh 0. 0.4 uh war 120 hits total 14 homers a 245 batting average and a 680 ops so uh, it's a solid a pickup as a veteran guy who can hit against lefties, um, something that Seattle needed from uh, one of their outfielders. Jared Kelnick hasn't been able to hit lefties, is the point being, and I don't believe Sam Haggerty has as well. I could be wrong; could be the opposite way around. Um, but another veteran presence, another veteran part to this clubhouse that's you know looking to obviously make the playoffs again in two thousand and twenty-three. Um, and just continue to build. But obviously uh, there's some more bats that needed to be the need to be added to this. I think you're good with bullpen help. You might get another piece here and there. Your rotation's probably fine, but I'd still look for another bat. You know, who's going to fill out that DH role unless you're looking somewhere internally. Uh, There's still moves to be made for the Mariners here, but I'm, I'm happy with the Pollock news. Um, And obviously with Houston still adding players to their clubhouse, you got to be able to somewhat, uh, keep pace or find ways to close the gap. So who knows? I mean, we really don't know if Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander are cooking up some sort of trade, uh, which, you know, they've done and it's just come out of nowhere like that. So many times it's happened during our recording sessions. Um, But I, I, I'm happy with this move just considering, you know, the veteran aspect to it and being able to hit against lefties there. Um, To that note, you know, we continue with someone who some fans wanted to see. You know, I, I, I added in our notes that, yes, still this Correa saga continues. Some people, well, we did ran a poll on Twitter to see if Mariners fans wanted to see him on a, a, a shorter deal, all things considered. And they voted no, about 70 to 30, <laughs> uh, which is kind of interesting. So Carlos Correa's saga continues on the 3rd of January. Uh, Correa's deal will reportedly be different than what it originally was. The Mets' contract is expected to be dramatically different if he does, in uh, in fact, sign with New York. On the 5th, his camp is talking to another team, so they're getting dirty here. Uh, At least one other team was uh, in contact with the Friesians' camp as negotiations with the Mets have become sticky. Uh, The Twins have reportedly contracted his camp, and the Mets are frustrated with Correa, as reported on the 6th, as there's still a strong chance that a deal gets done. But New York is seriously questioning continuing talks. So interesting things going on for Carlos Correa, the former twin and uh, Astro uh, as he tries to navigate, you know, that fit the two failed physicals with the giants and now the Mets, who knows where he ends up. Ultimately, I'm sure some team will take the bait and cast their net out for him, but that's it for Mariners related news and uh, MLB as a whole. And we do have some more storm stuff. It's not yeah. necessarily benefiting the team, but we also do have some important WNBA <laughs> dates to note as well. So bell, uh, why don't we get into that? Something that a play, a former player did that we think another former player might get into at some point.
1: Hopefully. We do have team notes here, so we'll dive right into that. Um, on the 3rd, it was announced that our former Storm Point guard, Brianne January, was hired by the Connecticut Sun as an assistant coach. January retired from playing this year after 14 seasons in the WNBA, two of which were with the Sun and her final season with the Storm. So it's so good to see that she's found her way back to the WNBA after retiring as a player. Um, Also on our team notes, former Storm executive Karen Bryant has been named Chief Administrative Officer and General Manager of the Los Angeles Sparks. With that announcement, all 12 GM jobs in the league are officially filled on the eve of 2023 free agency. The GM title is interesting given Bryant never held it with the Storm, though she did with the ABL Seattle Rain. Aside from the brief period where Billy McKinney was the Storm's GM, the team's coaches always held personnel power. That dual dual role has recently become less common. And as you mentioned, if you don't have any notes there, I'll pause just in case.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're good. (laughs)
1: We do have uh, just in terms of league notes, we do have some of the key WNBA dates that were published on January 21st, free agent negotiations begin on February 1st, free agent signings can begin April 10th, the WNBA draft April 30th training camps begin May 18th is the final roster cut down with a 2pm deadline. Um, July fifteenth is the All Star Game midseason, and August seventh is the trade deadline with a five PM time.
0: Yeah, so some key stuff there. I mean, yeah, not not too much to note with uh, January and Bryant. Cool to see January get that job. I mean, with a mind like hers, just with how you heard the t- oh, yeah. team talk about January. With a mind like hers, it makes sense. The keynote, as you can see on the banner here, when will super do that? I know that I've talked to people before who uh you know think this is just an inevitability, it's more of a when, not if. Uh, I don't know. I'm intrigued to see it. It would make a lot of sense, um, all things considered. If not that, probably some sort of stake in the franchise itself for the Storm. Uh, I just always know, and it's not any dig against Sue whatsoever. But it's like I know that there are players who a lot of the times uh, might not gel well as a coach. You know, they might be great minds on the court itself, but they, you know, can't necessarily put all of that knowledge in their head into passing it along as a coaching role. So I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm saying it might be a possibility. Um, with the sort of n- dates that are published, uh, I felt bad because I was wondering when we might find out about free agency. Now we know that we have to wait 12 days for that. So that's yeah. fine. I mean, um, good to know that actually that's when that is and that's when to start getting worried about the team recruiting Brianna Stewart back. And all this. I know that there have already been sort of predictions uh, well, talked about the, the, w, the ESPN uh, WNBA crew has ranked the free agents um, and all that, so it'll be really interesting. As Seattle's only got two players under contract right now, they have to find someone to take over the torch from Sue Bird. They have to, you know, bring Stewie back is step one. That's, you know, yeah. that important is up here, It's off camera, obviously, and then you know other stuff is down about here. So uh, there's that. And the draft is going to be important as well because you talk about the draft and then you look at the final roster cut cut down. Are any of those rookies going to make it? Last year, none of them did. So, you know, we'll have to see about that. But that's that's what I've got for there.
1: Um, I don't think I have anything to add in terms of our storm here. Like you said, it's pretty crummy that we have to wait as long as we do. But at least we know that we have a date to look forward to now and we don't have to wait for that date to be published. So I will send it over to you for our Sounders.
0: Yes, yeah, so the Sounders here are now in, I mean, nothing necessarily too big. You know, I know last week uh, we talked about. um Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're good. Yeah. That's Thankfully, Bell, right, that should just be a chunk out, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. we should be good.
0: Um, all right, let's go. The rumors continue for the Sounders. I mean, it's kind of interesting because it's more rumors than news here. Uh, we'll get to the real news itself first. The Sounders uh, send Reed Baker Whitting into the U-19 U.S. Men's National Team camp. The U-19 youth national team will begin 2023 with a training camp down in South Florida. So good for the young the young homegrown player there. In terms of the – we'll get to the rumors here. I know that we last reported on you know Aaron Long potentially joining this team when we had our last episode. Um uh, on the third there were multiple club insiders that confirmed that there was some entrance there uh later in the day long would sign with lafc so the mls cup champs the reigning champs add a another key player which is just great isn't it um And Seattle misses out there. Jordan Morris on the 5th was rumored to be nearing an extension. As things stand now, it sounds as if the Sounders are expecting to sign him to an extension eventually. There are obviously variables that are in play. Uh, Sounds like Morris still wants to play in Europe again at some point. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be something uh, in the imminent future. Uh, as well, another ro- uh, rumor, the same day the club was interested in acquiring Pumas striker Juan De Nino, Juan Ignacio De Nino, but no events progress has been made. He's a 28-year-old forward who has scored 36 goals in Liga MX across four seasons. He was a big part of Pumas' um, CCL tournament run against the Sounders, actually, and his name came up quite a lot against us. I believe he scored three times against the Sounders uh, in those two games. So it just... Take the, the, the news about Long, who's kind of a coveted free agent or was, Danino there and extending guys potentially like Roldan and Morris. Those those two haven't gone official yet, but they're rumored to happen and sounds like they're happening, they're being finalized. It just sounds like, you know, with, with the sort of aging roster that Seattle has and missing the playoffs last year, a lot of people thought that they might rebuild. I think we talked about this last week, but – all things considered, with all these rumors, it sounds like Seattle is remaining in content- their contention window and trying to stay in that contention window. Uh, Hebert, who they brought in from New York City FC and began trading with the club after being acquired via trade, um, is a 31-year-old forward. You don't acquire a 31-year-old forward, ideally, if you're rebuilding. I don't know, Bell, if you have seen that in rebuilding. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's it sounds like these are win-now scenarios for Seattle, which is a good thing. But with the Nino, it sounded like Seattle kind of balked. They're like, they, they inquired to say, Hey, you know, what can we, how can we get him? And Pumas gave an offer that or gave an asking price that Seattle did not want to afford. And they're like, Oh, I'm going to put it back. You know, like when you're at the store and something's way too expensive and you feel awkward and you don't want to put it back in front of the person that you asked. So you like carry it around for like 10 minutes. Like, ah, okay. That's what I do. At least I'm sorry. I'm very awkward. Um, but with Long, sucks to, to, to lose out on that. But also you would have had to trade or transfer Javier Arriaga, which sounds like the Sounders might still be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I don't know. I'm just happy to see that they're, it's, it's not in a rebuild necessarily. I can't necessarily say that it impacts much of what we do because we're going to cover it regardless, mm-hmm. right? But it's interesting to see that they want to stay in this contention window um, with everything that's happened to the club over the past year. So there's that as well. Uh, we look at league notes. I talked about LAFC, and this one's just kind of funnier than anything else. Earlier today, Gareth Bale announced his retirement just a year after getting paid by LAFC. He won MLS Cup with them just a few months ago. Um, on July 12th, when he was acquired, he said, I don't plan. He basically said, you know, this isn't just a quick stop for me. Things changed, I guess. One MLS Cup, uh, you know, great career. Um uh, in you know the bigger the bigger leagues and now he's done so I guess good for him spent a year in LA said I'm out of here thanks for the vacation year. um he didn't even play that much with LAFC so I don't This uh, it's just kind of funny. Um but with that uh we're gonna rush over here as we get to our Kraken who I like, talked about it again at the height of the show things are good. Things are good right now. So we'll get into that immediately uh with three games here on the road, all of them in Canada. Wait, no all of, two of them, them in Canada. Wait, yes, all well, of them. all of them were wins.
1: <laughs> so, January 3rd against the Edmonton Oilers, we won five to two. Player of the game was forward Jaden Schwartz with one goal, two assists, three points, three shots on goal, and three hits. On the fifth at the Toronto Maple Leafs, another win five to one. Player of the game there was Vince Dunn with one goal, two assists, three points, three shots on goal, two hits. And our last one of the week here, January 7th at the Ottawa Senators which, with an 8-4 to four win. That's a high-scoring game. Um, our player of the game was Andre Brokovsky with one goal, three assists, three points, four shots on goal, and three hits. So, are we going to have any of our lovely pictures with our circles highlighting the not-so-strong plays here?
0: <laughs> not not today. Um you, you, you saw the score for that Edmonton game and the Maple Leafs game, the D pairings have played a lot better than they have over the course of the last few weeks. When we've had to have those nice pictures where Martin Jones was out sunbathing, you know, laying down <laughs> all that. Uh, the Ottawa game was a little bit odd. You know, that was a game where Seattle's expected goals were under two uh, and they scored eight and Ottawa's expected goals were at two and they scored four. Um, so, That one was a really odd game, but you're seeing Seattle continuously play the way we've seen them play when they play the full 60 minutes, when you give the conscious full effort, the selfless effort for the entirety of that time. They're going for game five tonight in a row. We'll see if that happens uh, tonight against the Canadians. Um, But you look at this road trip. This road trip was kind of seen as like Disasterville. It's a seven-game trip. You play some of the best teams in the league. You play Edmonton after getting blown out seven to two against Edmonton at home Mm -hmm. in the last homestand. Toronto is one of the best teams in the league. They're a top five team in the league right now. Ottawa seen as a trap game, winning a trap game at the fours. Pretty good. But then you look at the rest of this uh, road trip, you know, you play Montreal. You lost to Montreal earlier in the month. Buffalo's got a lot of talent on it. Uh Tage Thompson's one of the top scorers in the league. One of the best players in the league. Boston has the most, they're like the, they were the first 30 win team in the NHL this year. They are steamrolling everybody. Uh, you got to do that. You got to go into Boston's house. And then you end the, uh, excuse me, you end the road trip uh, in Chicago and Chicago just beat uh, your rivals, rivals, the Calgary Flames, who you did not beat the last time you played them at home. So it's it's, it's not going to be easy, but to come out and win these first three games like you have is really impressive um and again it just shows you you know the selflessness of it uh there was a key play in the toronto game that eddie Olczyk, one of the great broadcasters on the incredibly great root sports cast um if i had a whiteboard or that screen thing we talk about i'd do it but you know there are a lot of the times this season you know when the puck is behind the goal both defensemen will drop down and leave the front of the goal uh pretty exposed which you don't want to do ever but they made a habit of doing that where both defensemen go down send one defenseman fine Adam Larson made a great play. And there's a friend of ours who's watching this right now and will hear me say that. Don't don't give him too much credit now. Um, but he made a great play and he saw that and he acknowledged it, but he realized that he if, if he had come down, he would leave that space open and he made a conscious effort to stay there, keep his stick active to uh ward off any passes into that high danger area. So it's just with that's I've talked about the potential of this team before, right? When they play that full 60, when they're focused defensively and they don't make the dumb mental mistakes, they don't take dumb penalties and put out their near league worst penalty kill out there again and again and again. And part of the reason that they're near a league worst penalty might be because they get put out so often. This is a top team in the NHL, and it's really fun to see. Um, We've got some young talent on this team. Uh, which we'll get to with All-Star, but it's exciting. I don't know how much of it you've been able to follow with everything going on, but just seeing some of these scores, like eight goals, eight, they've scored eight yeah. plus, like, I want to say three times uh, this season. They started off 2023 undefeated, so, you know, uh, there's that. But it's it's really interesting to see what this team can do when when they, they play their game, you know, through the entirety or even the majority of the course of the game because in that Toronto game, they were down in the first period and even that Edmonton they were down uh, two to nothing at one point and they were able to stay resilient, get back in the fight um, and lock things down. I don't know if you have any, uh, any thoughts on that as well.
1: Um, I had. I haven't actually. So I don't know. And that leads me into also me not having a star of the week, just because I've been able to tune into some games, but I haven't been able to watch them at length. And so um, I didn't just want to pull something out of stats, but also it was nice just to see that as a team, they're doing better um so it was hard to pinpoint just one person for me um so that's why i don't have a star of the week because technically for me it was like the kraken are just playing like the stars of the week for their team so um but i'll let you go into lead into yours now with that being said
0: hey that's my catchphrase dude the hell (laughs) um for i could you could have argued that maybe vince dunn could have earned this honor this week um i went for for these numbers on the ice as well as the honor that i'll get to here in a second uh maddie benears three goals two assists five shots a six plus minus four shots uh on the week six hits three blocks and ten face-off wins total so as a centerman benears takes a lot of responsibility um you know with with the hits they're having to be able to back check as well as the face-off wins you know seattle struggling with their face-off wins uh but seeing this uh all of this considered and then noting that he leads all rookies in points and effectively the calder cup race um calder trophy calder trophy um He was named an all-star for the 2023 season. He's Seattle's second all-star in franchise history, uh, becomes the first rookie from his class to be named an all-star and the second rookie uh, this season. Uh, Just really impressive to see the numbers here. Really cool to see him earn that honor. It made a lot of sense. It was going to be either him or Andre Burakovsky. Uh, Maybe you could have thrown in Jared McCann there. Some others might have thrown in either a Dunn or a Larson. But it, it, it's really awesome to see him earn this honor um, and be named here uh, to this sort of thing. And with that, uh, we're about to lose Bell here. Um, but just I
1: have One last thing to say before I go. And this is referring back to our Seahawks. But all I'm going to say is never underestimate the heart of a lion. And now I will sign off
0: a Detroit lion. <laughs> We'll see Bell next week. Thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, take care. Um, but just with with all of that, and I, I don't mean to kick Bell out there, but um, duty calls. Just with everything that's taken place, uh, it, it, it's really awesome to see that sort of the player that he is. You know, every game before the game. Uh, about an hour or so he's out uh, in in street clothes, you know, doing puck handling by himself. There's no one else that I've seen join him. There was one optional skate where it was all the scratches that were out on the ice, and then Matty Beners out on the ice. So just to see the work ethic that he's putting in as a I believe, he's I don't know. let me let me get an official number here. I apologize, but with with where he is, um you know development wise is pretty incredible on its own seeing the work ethic that he does. He is 20. Okay. Um, as a 20 year old, that might be outdated. Uh, Damn you Google. Um, but just to see all of that, all things considered, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense and it's really cool. Um, just to see that and hopefully a few more Kraken players um, are selected to the all-star game as well to join him in South Florida uh, when that break comes up. Uh, Moving along here, we do have some other sort of news. There was obviously, oh, well, I can give you some stats about the years at the time of the all-star game selection through 37 games played he had 13 goals, 15 assists, uh, 28 points in total, a five plus minus 27 blocks, 50 hits and 18 takeaways at takeaways, I don't know what I say takeaways at the time of his selection through those 37 games played. He was second on the team in goals, tied for second in points, third amongst forwards and hits, and third in goals above expected. Uh, Seattle is the first metro area in MLB slash NBA slash NFL slash NHL history to have rookies in three sports all begin their seasons in the same year and all earn selections to the All-Star Game slash Pro Bowl later that season, including Tariq woolen, Julio Rodriguez, and now Matty Beniers. So that was really cool to see that take place on the same day that veneers uh was named to the all-star game and the kraken beat the maple leafs uh shane wright uh earned world junior championships world juniors championship gold uh with team canada as the captain the very next day well he would score a goal in that game as well i want to mention that he did score um the very next day in the morning january 6th shane wright was reassigned to ohl kingston Uh, in a move that surprised some, but just considering the state of his development and all that, and where the current Kraken roster lies, it makes a lot of sense. And I think this quote from Ron Francis makes a lot of sense. Francis, we've been sort of wrestling with it for a while, and I wanted him to go to the World Juniors and play. Uh, I thought we'd make the final decision when it was all said and done. We're looking where our team is. We're looking if we called him back to Seattle, does he get the amount of games he needs? Does he get the ice time that he needs? We forget that during the COVID pandemic a couple of years ago, he missed an entire season of hockey. So we just felt that in the best interest for him, uh, was to go back to junior, play a lot of minutes, play in all situations that would be best for his development. We're still really pleased with everything that he's done. He's got NHL games. He's got American hockey league games. And he's got a gold medal at the world junior tournament. That's a heck of a path. And he makes a good amount of sense. So if you look at this current roster right now with Tolvin and slotting in, or as my friend Ray would say eel, uh, you just look at that sort of roster and the fact that Ryan Donato and Morgan geeky have been switching in on that fourth line. Um, two players who you could argue are very deserving of their own time as well with those two swatting in. Where does right go? Where does right play on this roster until one of those guys is, you know, and this, this will hurt some people to say when one of those guys is moved, you know, until then, wouldn't you want him to go out? And as France, Ron Francis pointed out, since he missed that year to continue to get more reps, chase, chase a trophy um, in OHL, you know, it's probably gonna get traded somewhere else. I had someone very kindly remind me that I don't know OHL hockey um, or Kingston, which I don't. We cover the pro teams here, which is NHL. So thanks. Um, But all that considered, there's no spot for him right now, unless you just want him to sit there as a scratch and not play which you, when you can have him go and play, this sounds like the best option. But it's funny that there were these comments and these arguments about it and even these comments about him being a bust because when he wasn't being played and he was a scratch for the Kraken, a lot of people wanted him just to be sent down anyway. So you can't be happy with some people. You just can't please everybody. Um, but when it happened, when I woke up to it, when I groggily woke up and I looked at my phone and I said, huh, it made a lot of sense. Um so it it it's totally fine. He's 18 years old. I believe he's 19 now. He's 19 years old. Um he'll be back with the Kraken next season and because he didn't hit the threshold, uh he's still going to be in contention for the Calder next year. So I think he's going to be fine. Um with all that being said, we don't have any league notes for you, but we'll look at the upcoming games for Seattle sitting at a 22 win, 12 loss four overtime loss record, standing at third place in the Pacific division at 48 points for the time being looking ahead. Their next games are January 9th at the Montreal Canadiens at 4:30 PM Pacific time. That'll be for, uh, pardon me, 30 minutes after this episode goes live, uh, January 10th at the Buffalo Sabres, a 4 p.m. start. So Seattle will go back-to-back there. It's already known that Martin Jones will start in goal for tonight's game against Montreal, uh, but a back-to-back there for Seattle. I believe that's their first back-to-back of the season. January 12th at the Boston Bruins, a tough game, uh, as we've mentioned, at 4 o'clock. January 14th at the Chicago Blackhawks, a 5 o'clock start there. So Seattle will finish out their seven-game road trip. It's not going to be easy whatsoever, but with the way that they're playing right now, you have to feel pretty good about things so moving along there i know that our rain news has been quiet uh for the past few weeks but we do have some news here about a, a re-signing finally um and some u.s women's national team call-ups so three wearing players were called up for u.s women's national team friendlies three of those players being alana cook rose lavelle and sofia huerta all of those players will be available for the U.S. Women's national team uh in new zealand when they play those uh, February's, uh February's friendlies later in the month. Uh, you'll notice that one player that's usually with this group for the women's national team for the U.S. Uh, is not there. Mangan Rapinoe was not called into camp due to her dealing with an injury. She's been seen with a walking boot. So I imagine it's some sort of foot injury, obviously. Um, but that is for the, the reason for the omission there. The re-signing that I'm talking about was that on the 6th, the rain re-signed midfielder, Nikki Stanton, North bend native. So if you're from North bend, please feel free to stand up and all that, um, through the 2023 season, uh, Stanton quoted, I'm grateful to be back for another season in the Pacific Northwest. It makes me so happy to be able to play with this incredible team culture, Uh, and in front of my family and friends. The The entire team heard how loud Lumen can get and were ready to keep that energy going into 2023. See you all at Lumen. In our first season with the club, Stanton appeared in 13 regular season games, three starts, came on as a substitute during the semifinal match. The 32-year-old registered 107 successful passes, 34 duels won, and 10 interceptions in a total of 400 flat minutes played throughout that course of the regular season. Additionally, uh, Stent was tied for eighth on the team and tackles won at 16. So um, I know that this isn't maybe the re-signing that some people are looking for or hoping for. There's uh, some news, interestingly, enough going around the NWSL. Dabinia just signed with the KC Current. Uh, who are just in the NWSL final and they have a stacked roster. They made that final without a ton of a uh, good amount of their great players, and they're going to get better. Um, the, uh, there's been some moves around the NWSL, and the rain bring back a talented midfielder in Stanton, a veteran presence, someone that adds to that already stacked midfield, and they're able to resecure her now. Um, people are wondering when we might see a Megan Rapinoe get brought back, when we see Lou Barnes brought back. I have no idea. This is something that, you know, Rapino in the postgame press conference after the semifinal said that she doesn't exactly plan on going anywhere, basically, um, and it wouldn't necessarily make sense for her to go anywhere. Barnes, on the other hand, I couldn't see where there would be a reason to go anywhere. Uh, pardon me, somewhere else, considering the two expansion teams down in California. Barnes is from California. I uh, went to college there as well. So, But just, you know, just what I can gather as someone who covers the team and what I've been able to look at here and there, it sounds like both of those players will be back with the club. What the delay is about, I couldn't honestly tell you, but I would say better than not, chances are that those two Rapino and Barnes are back with this team. The other moves that this rain club make will be interesting though, considering you've got a lot of players that are good to great, but I had this discussion with another uh, analyst of mine, analyst friend of mine, who, how do you take this team over the hump considering you throughout the course, of your existence as a club you've made it to the final before, but you've found yourself stuck at the semifinal through several seasons. What pushes you over the hump? Who are you gonna add that's gonna be able to push you over the hump? Will this, the rain do that um, this off season, or they were just gonna be content with bringing a lot of their same group back and count on you know jumps and leaps from players like Heidema, uh, like Bethany Balser still, you know, Olivia van der Yacht, all that. Do you hope for jumps there? Or are you gonna add someone else uh, to come into the mix But the other issue with that is the rain from forward group to midfield group to defense are already pretty solid in all three of those groups. There's no clear glaring hole. So it'll be really interesting to see what moves uh, general manager Nick Pereira um, and the front office with the rain are able to conjure up and figure out ahead of the season beginning, which we still don't have an end of this little schedule, which is very fun. So. That would have been all of the news except for the news that dropped uh, this morning. The NWSL sent out a press release regarding the corrective action that took place. uh, The findings that were released on December 14th, 2022, uh, including some permanent exclusion bans uh, from NWSL, Paul Riley, Christy Holly, Rory Dames, and Richie Burke. Uh, Level two sort of sanctions were leveled uh, in terms of suspension and affecting future employment in the NWSL. Craig Harrington and Alyssa LaHue. Uh, level three, future employment in the NWSL is conditional. A notable name is Fareed ben a former Rain coach who left, uh, who was essentially outed from the team ahead of the club's match in 2021 on the road against Houston, where Sam Lady took over. Other names include James Clarkson, Vera Poil, Amanda Cromwell, Sam Green, and Alan Rice. Uh, something to note for the Rain here is that there's all these different sanctions and different levels. Level one, those permanent exclusions, level two, suspension and further employment is conditional. Talked about the uh, and conditional employment for Reed ben The Rain uh, are in the level three part uh, of suspension slash discipline in the club level as they've been fined $50,000 from the club. I mean, from the NWSL. And just to clear up some of that and what took place there uh, with clubs, uh, the NWSL has represented... Um, doesn't say what the rain were fined for, but I do imagine it has something to do with the Ben Seedy news. So there is that they're obviously not the most fun news to talk about, but you know, we cover these clubs. We have to talk about it Um, and league-related news on the fifth, some big trades shaked up the NWSL draft. Angel city receives the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, There's a four team draft. So angel city receives the number one overall pick. Portland receives the number five overall pick in this year's draft. The second uh, highest second round pick in the next year draft, as well as $200,000 in allocation money. The New York slash New Jersey Gotham uh, Club receives Yasmin Ryan from Portland and $250,000 in allocation money. The Orlando Pride, in all of this, the fourth and final team, uh, receive $350,000 in allocation money and uh, the 2024 natural fourth-round pick. So a mouthful there, uh, the NWSL draft, is on the 12th of January, this Thursday, uh, at 3 p.m., Also on the 6th, Sophia Smith continues to make history in her young career, a young, impressive career. The 22-year-old U.S. Women's National Team star and last year's NWSL MVP became the second youngest player to earn the Female Player of the Year honors since Mihan did so back in 1994. Uh, She won the award in the landslide, earning more than 50% of the votes, and she plays on Portland. So we have to uh, deal with that a good amount of the season, which is unfortunate, but impressive to see such a young career continue to develop. We now move over to our Seattle Seawolves, who made another signing. Another player is returning to Seattle. Uh, Taylor Crumry, uh, a lock, was signed to the 2023 season. Uh, he's a, sitting at 6'6", six six, 245 pounds, and 30 years old. After playing with the NOLA Gold last season, as you can see in his headshot there, Crumry is back with the Seawolves squad for the 2023 season. The 30-year-old specialist, Locke, helped the Seawolves win back-to-back titles, playing a starting role in the 2018 championship final. Crumry had this to say. I moved to Seattle after college to continue playing rugby with the Seattle Saracens, um, Saracens, pardon me, and was fortunate to be part of the Seawolves team for the first four years. After a season away, I am thrilled to come back to hunt for our third MLR shield. Uh, some more background on Crumrie. He played in 24 MLR matches from 2018 to 2020 and was named in the USA Select um 15 squad for the 2018 America's Pacific Challenge. So um there have been a ton of moves for the Seawolves this offseason. I'm um, really excited to get back to the season there. I know that uh, preseason begins in early February, so that'll be something to look out for. And for all of our CSS on Converge friends who watch us on here and read our blogs on our Converge site, uh, we will have an introductory article about the Seawolves so you can get to know our rugby team. I know uh, if you're leaking in here from the rain segment or you are watching the individual segment because you're curious, uh, rugby might be new to you. The Seals might be new to you. They play in Tuckwilla, down at Starfire, uh, state complex where the rain will do their training this upcoming season and forward. And the Sounders are doing their training until next year when they get their Long Acres, uh, training facility finished. Um, they've won two MLR titles. Uh, so they're technically one of the, the most storied franchises in major league rugby, but American rugby continues to grow. And if you like supporting, you know, our Seattle teams in general, and as well as the sort of underdogs and the growing leagues, MLR is there for you. Uh, The players are really awesome. Ooh, uh, I don't have it right now, but I can kind of show it. Our guy, Rucky, the Seawolf, the team mascot, sent me that you can see the sticker there. I want to appreciate that because he sent it out so thankfully. Rucky, I salute to you, and I thank you uh, for the sticker. We're going to get Belle hers as soon as we're able to see her again in person. Um, the seals community is great and the roster that they've been building with the off season signings, uh, whether it's players that they're bringing back, you know, some of the trades that they've, uh, well, I believe they made a trade with, uh, Nola gold, uh, to, and send some money back for this move specifically here. Um, but it is an impressive squad. And the fact that they were already a good squad last year, anyway, regardless of how they made the playoffs and how they made the MLR shield, this, is a SeaWolves team I would bet to watch out for come playoff time, even the regular season. So we're excited to do that. We're excited to cover them um, for when that season comes. Speaking of teams that we're excited to cover, we have the excuse me the XFL season uh, schedule has dropped finally, and we know when our Sea Dragons will be taking over. So let's take a look at that. On the fifth, we found out when the schedule would drop. Uh, here we'd have the first half of the season. Uh, pictured here with Ben DiNucci uh, week one at the DC Defenders. So the Seattle team starts out on the road is February 19th with a 5 PM start time. That game is going to be broadcast on ESPN. So not going to be hard to find that game there week two versus the St. Louis Battlehawks. That is the first home game in sea dragons uh, history. And this iteration of the XFL is February 23rd with a 6 PM start. That's on FX. Um, week three is at the Vegas Viper. which was a March 4th game at 4 p.m. That's on FX as well. Week four versus the San Antonio Brahmas back at home at Lumen Field is a March 11 game at 7 p.m. That is also on FX. A lot of games on FX. Um. And then week five versus the Houston Roughnecks, March 16th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. That game is also on FX. That's the first half of the season. Second half here is we've got Josh Gordon pictured there in his chiefs attire. Week six at the Orlando Guardians is a March 25th uh, game with a 1030 a.m. start. That's on ESPN. Week seven at the Arlington Renegades is a March 31st game at four o'clock, which is an FX game as well. Week 8 at home versus the D.C. Defenders is an April 9th game at 4 o'clock. That's on ESPN2. Week 9 at the St. Louis BattleHawks on the road is an April 16th game at 12 o'clock. That's on ESPN as well. And to finish out the regular season, they do so at home at Lumen Field in week 10 versus the Vegas Vipers, April 23rd, 6 p.m. That is an ESPN2 game. So uh, a really impressive sort of – well, impressive. It's really exciting to see that. If you need me, you need to pause. We'll go back. Here's that one. And here's that one. Um, Just excited to see this. I can't give you too much insight um, on what that season will look like, but just it's cool to have Vegas involved and San Antonio, St. Louis and DC are back. Obviously same as Houston. Um, It'll be really interesting to see over the course of the next few weeks. Training camp actually began today. Uh, So training camp for the sea dragons began today. A bunch of the players are down, I believe in San Antonio or somewhere in Texas, I believe. Um, with training camp, they're getting their gear. They were getting size for it yesterday. Training camp begins today. So Jim Haslett, uh, the head coach, June Jones, the offensive coordinator, they've got a lot of things to work on. But Seattle is viewed by some people as an early favorite to be one of the better teams in the league. With you know veteran guys uh, from the NFL like Danucci um, and like Josh Gordon, uh, it's hard to argue against that. Uh, there's also something that kind of came in really recently. Uh, the XFL announced that a couple uh, – they announced some – There we go. They announced uh, some assignment players uh, added to the trading camp rosters. I'll get to that here for you for the Sea Dragons. Offensive tackle Jared Aiken out of Winston-Salem State. Joe Beckett, an inside linebacker out of Wofford. Adam Kuhn, offensive tackle out of Michigan. Imani Donadel, wide receiver out of Northwest Missouri State. Ladarius Galloway, a running back out of Tennessee Martin. Zafir Kelly, a D.C. I don't know what D.C. stands for Um, out of South Carolina State. Uh, Kelvin McKnight, a wide receiver out of Samford. Howard Stephens, a defensive tackle out of shorter. Uh, Larry Tharp, a defensive tackle out of Arizona and Jamar Washington, a wide receiver out of Southern. So some interesting college name there. I have never heard of the college that's shorter. That's very fun there. Uh, But that's your news uh, for our Sea Dragons for the final for this week. Uh, We'll now wrap up with our Seattle Stars of the Week and it was a unanimous for bell and i we both picked the seattle seahawks just considering how things went for them um you know you look at the way that things went uh with their improbable sort of playoffs this season uh the fact that they were able to make it with the lions helping them out so we can all thank the detroit lions for that uh helping seattle get into the playoffs just this ride as a whole with Ken Walker. Uh, I believe Ken Walker reached 1,000 yards on the year. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf hitting 1,000 yards uh, receiving on the year. Geno Smith having the year that he's had. And the story that he's had you know, from the Jets to the Chargers and the Giants and now here as a starter, it's all really incredible to see the way that this taken has taken place. Um, we should be proud of our Seahawks for the way that they've fought through this, and they're playing with house money now. They go into the Santa Clara uh, as underdogs. It seems that necessarily shouldn't be there. But I know it's hard to beat a team two times in the uh, in a row in a year, let alone three times. So I'd give them a fighting chance against the 49ers. That's on Saturday. Uh, we got to get out of here. So until we see you next week, it's going to be an odd sort of day. as the Kraken are playing at 1 o'clock next week. Um, but until we see you next week, uh, just super proud of our Seattle teams uh, because of the stat we mentioned at the height of the show. And until next time, take care of yourself, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. We'll uh-huh.